Um, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, me. Welcome back. Um, we're starting the Sunday mornings. Um, I hope over the next few weeks to do a number of shurim on the subject of tefillas kelim, so of immersing uh, new utensils in the mikvah. Just sort of heads up. Um, thank you for the popcorn shot. Um, I was debating bringing it before, but I thought maybe there's too many people here who are on a diet and it would be, you know, anyway. Um, but today, I'm going to talk about um, swearing, in swearing as in oaths, not as in cursing. Um, I, some of the things that a Torah says about this it w- will, I find to be, and I'm sure others will also, find to be somewhat shocking, like a culture shock. And I think, I was just thinking about it, and I think that part of the thing is that Torah applies um, almost an omni-significance to the words that we say. And I think that we live in a society which by and large does not put so much significance to what we say um, in terms of telling the truth, in terms of the value of refined speech, which Torah speaks a lot about. Um, and I think that perhaps, this is just my own thoughts, which take to leave it, um, in general, as instant grafica- gratification becomes more and more available in all sorts of areas in life, w- things which used to be of importance become less and less of importance. Uh, just the one example, in, in, in the, the, Rebbe, the Rebbe was fond of saying, uh, the Rebbe often referred to the value of a Dova Shabitfus. Something was actually printed, so, you know, somebody took the time and effort and money and whatever it is to print it, so we've got to take it that much more seriously. Uh, nowadays, where everybody has three color laser printers in their house, um, and, uh, it, you know, so you have one that works, you have two that don't work, but you haven't yet thrown out. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? So, and some, you know, I mean, most people around this table, um, even myself, can remember when a long-distance phone call was a big deal, and now I call cell phones in Europe for one cent, you know, so everything's become less thing, and we sort of don't take ourselves as seriously as perhaps we should. And if we would train ourselves to take ourselves a bit more seriously, perhaps we would have more refined way of speaking and living in general. So, just my you thoughts mean on this. Ourselves less seriously and others more seriously, maybe. Yes. Or the impact that we have on ourselves, okay. on others and on the world around right. us. And Befraim, are you sharing those or are those just for you? Yebusha <laughs> <laughs> should bless you and keep you from needing any of this stuff. Amen. Amen. Okay. So in the introduction to the laws of Shvois the laws of oaths, the Rambam says, as he always does, what are the mitzvahs of the 613 mitzvahs, which of them are are included in these sets of of laws? So he says that there are five mitzvahs. One of them is a positive mitzvah, four of them are negative mitzvahs. Now, of those five, three of them are in this week's parasha. 
which um, makes this apropos. So, the f- in the order the Ramam says them are, not to swear in God's name falsely. Second, not to say God's name in vain. The third is not to, I'll elaborate in a moment, the third is not to deny um, a pikodon, means if you have somebody else's money in your possession and he demands it from you and you deny it, that's a violation. The fourth is similar to the third. The third one is just denying it and the fourth one is swearing to your denial. That you sw- I swear I don't owe it to you. Um, that's the fourth one. And the fifth one is the positive mitzvah to swear in God's name truthfully. Um, now, just to elaborate very briefly on these five, um, not to deny money if somebody comes and demands money from you, whether you stole it from him or you borrowed it from him or he entrusted you to keep to look after an object for for you, and you deny that you had it, that's the violation of and um, that is in this week's parsha in parsha's kedushim. Uh, so this week we have a double parsha of Achim and Kedoshim. Not to deny. Um, then the second half of that pasuk says, um, "Do not again not not to lie to each other," which refers to a person who takes an oath that he doesn't owe money to the other person when the truth is that he does. <coughs> then we have shvuas shav, what's called shvuas shav and shvuas sheker. Both mean a false oath. There isn't really any... Um, the difference between them is a different style of oaths, and they are included in the two separate mitzvahs. Shvua shav means a false oath, but it also means a oath in vain. And this could mean three... The Rambam and Sefer mitzvahs gives three examples, um, also in Sefer Yad, but in three, it gives three examples um, as to what would violate a Shua Shav. One would be if somebody is um, Nishpa One would be if somebody is Nishpa Al-Evan Evan. If somebody takes a, a says that I swear that this stone is a stone. So you're not saying anything false, but it's Shav, it's in vain, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's completely unnecessary stating the obvious. And to make a shvur, to say an oath um, with God's name on something which is not necessary, is a shvur ashrav. Also, the other way around would also be a shvur ashrav. If a person uh, made an, uh, an oath, said, I swear that this, picks up a stone and he says, I swear that this is, this is a piece of wood. Right? So there he is lying. But he's lying with something which is so blatantly obvious that it was also incorporated under Shvuas Shav. Shvuas Sheker, which is called also Shvuas Bitoi, would mean if somebody um, said he sweared that I, I did do this or I didn't do it, and it's not a person uh, ate a piece of bread, and then he says I swear I didn't eat it. It's a God's name that's the problem. We'll get there in a moment. Um, he, he ate a piece of bread and he said I swear that I didn't eat it. Um, so that's a shvuas bitui. That that's not stating he's lying, but he's not stating the obvious. When somebody lies and he's stating the obvious, or he's contradicting the obvious, both of those are a shvuas shav. So either if he says, "I swear that this stone is a stone," or he says, "I swear that this stone is not a stone," 
Um, either way, that's a shvur shav. Also incorporated in shvur shav, if somebody makes a shvur that he's not going to do a mitzvah, somebody says a says a thing. I, I vow that I will not put on tefillin today. Um, then that is a shvur shav, because the oath is of no value. Um, okay, and then there's shvur shaker, which I just said. Also shvur spitoi, which means. It could be positive or negative, and it could be past or future. So he could say, I swear that I ate this bread, when truth is that he didn't, or I swear that I didn't eat this bread, when truth is that he did. Um, and also for the future, I swear that I won't eat this bread, or that I will eat this bread, and then if he then violates what he's done, he's violated the... Uh, he, he has made a shvuas bitu. Yeah, shvuas shakir. Those are the four negative commandments. Then... The Rambam says, you know what, let's first address Rabshalom's question. So Rabshalom asks, is the, is the primary point over here the fact that you're making, using Hashem's name for this? Um, so the Rambam in Hilchus Shvuas, Perik Beis, says as follows. Whether somebody makes a shvua using God's Shem HaMiyuchud, which is what we know as the Shem HaVaya, te, te, no, help me out, tetra, Tetragrammaton. That one, Tetragrammaton. Um, or if he uses any of God's um, names, for example, if he says, I swear by the name of the one who is called merciful, or the one who is called compassionate, or the one who is patient, or the one, any of these... Um, um, references to God are all a violation of if somebody makes a false oath um, with any of these names it is a violation um, of these mitzvahs and then he continues and says even if somebody made a shvur without any mentioning of God's name not directly not directly or in, or any of those things nevertheless he is still forbidden Regarding what he's yes, so somebody said, I swear, without saying any God's name, he, somebody said, I swear that I'm not going to do such and such. Then, even though he didn't say God's name, he is still prohibited from doing such and such. If he didn't mention God's name, then for the violation of it, he would not um, endure the lashes, the punishment, if it was if he violated it um, willfully, and he would not bring a carbon if he violated it inadvertently. Now, is that because so, of or is oh, it so, 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 so the, what the Rambam says is that really, as far as the effect of the shvur, there's no difference whether you mention God's name or not. The difference is only in regards to the severity, to the punishment. Now, why, so, is it just the Rabbanon? So, it seems from the Mepharshim that either the Ran suggests that it's Divrei Kabbalah, which is more than the Rabbanon. Divrei Kabbalah is, he bases it on Pesukim and Nach, um, where he quotes the story, it says that Shaul made the, everyone, he made a curse with an oath on anybody who would eat bread that day, and even though he did not mention God's name, it just says, mm-hmm. Um, the Gemara still considers it to be a shvur. So that would be Divrei Kabbalah, which is more, uh, which is not more. 
because it's more of a spiritual. No, div- no, divri kabbalah here doesn't mean kabbalistic. Divri kabbalah means something that comes from nach. So oh. something that comes from the neviim is not has a stronger status than a regular derabbanon. So it wouldn't um, it wouldn't um, warrant malchus, the punishment of malchus, but it's stronger than a regular derabbanon. There is, however, the mabit, one of the early mafarshim on the Rambam wrote a sefer called Kiryas Sefer. Um, and his Mabit is Reb Moshe Bereb Yomtev from Trani, I think. I think that's his name. Anyway, but he 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 says that it's Halach Lomoshe Misinai, that which would mean that it is Deiraisa. That it, it is a biblical violation, even if you don't mention God's name. But there's no Malchus because it's not explicit in the Torah. It's a Halach Lomoshe Misinai. Okay, then. There is a, another pasuk, um, another pasuk which appears twice. The same pasuk, almost word for word, appears twice. Once in Parshas Vayeschanan, once in Parshas Ekev. In Parshas Vayeschanan, it says, "As Hashem you should fear Hashem your God, and you should serve Him, and swear in His name." In His name. In Parshas Ekev, it adds in another two words, you should fear Hashem and serve Him, and cleave to Him, and swear in His name. So, fear God, cleave to Him, and swear in His name. And the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvah says that this, posit- this is this positive mitzvah to swear in the name of God when it is necessary to do so. In order to affirm something or to um, uh, how do you call uh, deny something, there is a, so there's a positive mitzvah to swear in his name, and the Rambam goes on to say how included in this that this mitzvah is really a kiddush Hashem. Um, in the Sefer Yad, he says it's a hid hodur lishloi. It says, Rambam says in Sefer in, in Mishnah Torah, swearing in God's name, in His great and holy name, is a way, an expression of service of Hashem. It is a great uh, making majesty and sanctification of, of God. Right? Because if you say that... Um, this is what I'm saying now is true as God is true. So then, you're, what you're, what you're, not so, in, so, what you're implying and perhaps even explicitly saying, is that the ultimate truth is God. So therefore, it is a mitzvah, says the Rambam, to swear in God's name at, when it's necessary, and this constitutes a, a tremendous kiddush Hashem. And he then goes on to say that included in this mitzvah is the implication not to swear by anything else. Not to incorporate in your oath um, anything or anybody else as the reference to the truth. And if a person does do so, he quotes, uh, so then obviously it's a chilol Hashem, it's the the opposite of the Kiddush Hashem, it's a desecration of God's name. And... I'll say that if a person is Meshatev, Shem Shemaim, Vidobarach, if a person swears by God's name and um, uh, joins something else to it, then he is removed from the world. Now, 
the Ramban argues on this Ramban. And he, um, in Parshas Vazchadon, in a few places, but in, in, uh, it's both in his glosses to the Sefer Mitzvah and also in his commentary to Parshas to Parshas Vazchadon, he says that there is no mitzvah to there is no positive mitzvah that you should swear in God's name um, when you need to. It is a rishus, it is permission. You may have thought that God's name is so, that this is so significant and so important that it is inappropriate and it would be forbidden for you to swear in God's name even if you were telling the truth. So the Torah says that you are allowed to swear in God's name if you're telling the truth. But there's no mitzvah, there's no obligation to do so. What happens when you use the term blinader? Blinader means that you're not making an oath. That's why you should use that term. Huh? Does that qualify? To now, what does the Ram... So, what does the Rambam mean that when it's necessary there's a mitzvah to swear in God's name? So, what it seems to mean is that if you're coming, if you're in court, yeah, the, 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 the stereotypical case of oaths is in court. You come to Bezin, you say, I owe you money, you say this happened, that happened, there's, uh, there's a, ca- a, a, a case. So, the Bezin say, in certain situations, okay, you, sir, whether in some cases it would be the defendant, in some cases it would be the prosecutor, um, you have to say and uh, take an oath that what you're saying is true. So according to the Rambam, there would now be a positive mitzvah that he must do so. And if he, if he says, no, I don't want to take an oath, he's actually violating the mitzvah of Ovishmoi Tishaveya. Violating the mitzvah to swear in God's name. Now, they tell you not to say the word swear. Hold on. If, you, if, you, if, any, if everybody stays till the end, then all the questions will be addressed, I hope. <laughs> so we have Machlokas Rambam and Ramban. Are you supposed to? And this is actually explicitly said by the Sefer Chinuch. And you'll see this is important because other authorities want to play down the Rambam because it sounds strange on a number of levels. But the Sefer Achinuch, who is a, a Rishon, we don't, we, I don't think we know for sure who actually wrote the Sefer Achinuch. It's gener- generally attributed to the Ra'a, oh, Reb, um, Reb Aaron, Reb, no, the Raza, either Reb Zerachi HaLevi or Reb Aaron HaLevi, I forget which one now. So he says that according to the, if you come to Bezdin and um, the Bezdin say, okay, you claim such and such, take an oath that you're telling the truth, and, and you are telling the truth. According to the Rambam, you are now obligated, it's a mitzvah, for you to take that oath, and if you decline taking the oath, you have violated that mitzvah. According to the Rambam, you have permission to do the oath, but if you choose not to, that's also fine, right? Obviously, your 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 case won't move forward. We'll get soon. We'll soon later. We'll discuss. The only place uh-huh. in the Torah it says something like that is with Saita. So where the obligation? Ovishmoi tishaveya. Yeah, so, so where does the Rambam get this as a generalization? Because it says in Parshas. Verse Chanan and in Pasha Sekev that you should fear God and swear in His name. 
That's an interpretation of swearing, of fearing God. No, Tishavaya. The pasuk says you should swear in his name. Yeah, the pasuk says twice you should swear in his name. So he generalizes this in the Rambam. Yes, the Rambam says it's permission, <coughs> it's authority, and the Rambam says it's an obligation. Now, there is a medrash. Others, okay, others want to say. That the, it can't be that the, there's an actual obligation. They have various questions. And they say that the Rambam... Well, there's different ways. Either they say that the Rambam means it's a mitzvah kiyumis. That means there are mitzvahs which you have to do, and there are mitzvahs which, if you do them, you're doing a mitzvah, but you don't have to do them. For example, um, there's a bit of a spectrum, but to an extent you could even say mezuzah, right? You don't have to have a house. If you have, to, if you have a house, you have to put up a mezuzah. But you don't have to have a house. If you have, um, yeah, there's many mitzvahs like that. Tzitzis is is probably that. Yeah, if if you have a four cornered garment, then you have to put tzitzis on. But you don't have to have a four cornered garment. At least, perhaps uh, I think Ramosha holds that there is an obligation to because of a minhag. That now it's become a minhag, so the minhag is uh, it becomes obligatory. In many Exactly. But anyway, at least uh, there's no obligation to wear four cornered garment. Um, another mitzvah like that. So someone to say that that's what the Rambam means, that if you, if you come to a situation where you want to swear, so then if you do it, you fulfill the mitzvah, right? I mean, yeah, giving a get. There's a mitzvah to give a get. We hope that nobody has to do it. But if a person does it, if a person gives a get, then he's fulfilled one of the 613 mitzvahs to give a get. So some understand that that's what the Rambam means, um, that uh, if you if you do it, then you fulfill the mitzvah, but not that there's an obligation to do it. Others understand that the Rambam means um, Thank you. Uh, um, the, the primarily the second part, the the prohibition against swearing by somebody else's by the, by, by the life or the name of something or somebody else. Um, that that's that's. That's that's the mitzvah part of it. In other words, by the life of Pari. Yeah, exactly. So, so you're not allowed <coughs> to, to to do so. Now, um, there is a medrash. Just a moment. There is a medrash which the Ramban brings, which is an important medrash. Medrash Tanchuma says, Hashem said to the Jewish people, Don't think that you may swear in my name, even truthfully. You may not swear in my name. Unless you have all the following attributes. As Hashem and Akechotira, if you are God fearing, Vaisi Savid and you serve him, Vaisidbok and you cleave to him, then Ovishmaiti Shaveya, right? Those are all in the same posuk. If you will be um, like those three um, who are called God fearing, namely Avram, Avino, Eoiv, and Yosef Atzadik. So if you are on the level of Avram, Eoiv, and Yosef, then you have permission to swear truthfully. In God's name, if you completely devote yourself to Torah, and the mefana means you throw away everything else, the last is mitzvah, 
and to do mitzvahs, and to do the mitzvahs. And you don't have anything else in your life. If you have all of these attributes, then you may swear. If not, you may not swear. Now, the Ramban quotes this as part of his attack on the Rambam, saying, how could you possibly suggest that there is an obligation to swear, when necessary, when clearly... Um, uh, the 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 medrash seems to say to far from be encouraging of um, of swearing and God, uh, even truthfully if you're not on the level of these great tzaddikim. Now, then there is another Rambam. There's another Rambam which says in the very end of the twelfth chapter of Hilchos Shuas, he says, even though it is permissible to regret an oath, right? So w- most of us are familiar, on Rosh Hashanah we do it collectively, but there is the concept if somebody has a neder or a shvua or anything like that, that he can undo it by approaching the Bezdin and having it uh, annulled. So even though it is perfectly permissible to annul a shvua and there's no doifi in this whatsoever, there's no um, uh, doubt whatsoever. And anybody who is doubtful about this, it is a shemetz minus. It is a little bit of heresy to, to doubt the validity of annulling vows. Nevertheless, it is appropriate, says the Rabbim, to be very careful about um, making shvu, about annulling a vow. The ain is cocking we generally, as a principle, only um, tr- annul a vow if there is a great need to do so, or there's a, or in, uh, in either a great need or a mitzvah. Then the Rambam says, It is a great virtue for a person never to swear whatsoever. But if he did swear, so then he should um, suffer the consequences and not annul it, but stick to it. As the Posuk says, and he quotes the Posuk from Psalm uh, 16, If somebody swears to do something that's bad or that's difficult for him and nevertheless does not transgress his vow and the pasuk later continues somebody who stands up to this level will never uh, trip or fumble right now so what's going on over here what what does the Rambam mean the Rambam has told us that it's a mitzvah it's an obligation to take an oath truthfully and here he says, that it is a virtue for a person never to swear at all. So which one is it? Is it a mitzvah? Or is, it a, is it a mitzvah to do it or a mitzvah to avoid it? So the, the, the answer is both. It depends what type of shvua. If it's a shvua that is necessary, like the Ramam says, if there is a need to make this shvua, for example, if you have a case with somebody in court, and in order to further your claim, or to defend yourself against his claim, you have to make a shvua, then according to the Rambam, there is an obligation to take this oath. But um, absent of any need to make the shvua, then it is praiseworthy to avoid it. It's not an avera, it's not a transgression to make an unnecessary vow. An, un- an Avera would only be when it's completely useless. 
if somebody takes an oath that, that this stone is a stone or that this table is a table, then that's a transgression because it's not, then it's not just unnecessary, it's completely useless and meaningless. But to take a vow when it's not necessary, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, it feels good, um, then uh, I'll have then <laughs> that's permissible, says the Rambam, but it's appropriate and it's a virtue not to. What's the source of it? Where does the Rambam get this from? So we find stories in the Gemara, and I'll tell you two stories from the Gemara, um, which are quite shocking stories, um, which, see, which, which are cases where people swore where it wasn't necessary, and there were very bad repercussions. And the Rambam, bases, uh, based on these Gemaras, the Rambam says, that it is appropriate never to swear at all. But again, these stories are all talking about cases where it wasn't an, a real necessity to swear. This wasn't in court. Had it come to court, the Rambam would say that not only is it permissible, but it is actually a mitzvah, an obligation to do so. One story is like this. The Gemara says... There was a story, this is Gemara in Gittin. There was a certain individual in the time of famine. He um, was mafkid, he gave, deposited a gold coin with a certain widow. Now you already know this story is going bad. Um, <laughs> and she took this golden coin for safekeeping. And she put it in her jar of flour. And she baked it in a bread, inadvertently. Oops. By mistake, she baked it in bread. And she gave that loaf of bread to the poor man. Um, the time came and the owner of the dinner says, Okay, I want my money back. And she said... Um, probably there's a part of the exchange here missing. She said, I don't have it. And he said, you do have it. And she said, um, this is a way of an oath. She said, poison should affect one of the sons of that woman, referring to herself in third person, if I had any benefit whatsoever from your dinner. Guess what happened next? One of her children died. Oh. Now, when the sages heard about this story, they said, um, If somebody who took a true oath gets such a punishment, then how much more so if somebody who lies gets a punishment? Now, here, one second. Here, Hold on a second. My time answers. The Gemara says, why? Hold on. The Gemara says, why did she get punished? Because she gained the place of the dinner. In other words, she thought she was spending uh, a pound of flour, Mm -hmm. and really she was only spending 15 ounces of flour because one, one ounce was. Supplemented, so she gained that tiny amount of flour by the which was taken over by the place of the thing. And in the that Gemara case, <laughs> we should all be dead. <laughs> yes, sir. and the Gemara says that therefore, don't invite for a dinner. <laughs> so, 
So, but, 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 but notwithstanding the humor of Rebbe Ephraim, I think, as we're going to see soon, that's precisely the point of these Gemaras, and we'll see soon other, other sources, to be very careful about saying these type of things, because even though they are true, uh, or even though they may be true, but the, true. the significance mm-hmm. of our, the words we say is far beyond what anyone in <coughs> today's society mm-hmm. is accustomed to, to attributing to them. So the Gemara says that this was considered a true oath because she it was commissioned, she, 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 had, she, didn't mm-hmm. know, she didn't even know about it, and it was so almost insignificant. Now there's another story in Yerushalmi which is quite similar, but I want to read it because there it was taka true. In other words, here... There was, she did make some sort of mistake. But the Yerushalmi says a story as follows. Um, the Yerushalmi says... Um, Before you go there, did she make the... It's implicit that she made an oath using Hashem's name. Why? In there. No, why, why, why is it with Hashem's name? I'm just asking. Is it no, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get back to the God, Hashem's name thing later, but or not, she just made an oath without God. doesn't say that she used God's name, but like we said before from the Rambam, any, any type of oath is, 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 is problematic. And the difference between using God's name or not is only in terms of the punishment. Now we'll see later in the Chayla, there's another difference. But as far as making these type of oaths, which she's saying the truth, but it wasn't necessary to take an oath, there seems to be even um, without uh, yeah, 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 I hear, I'm sort of, I yeah, it's a, it's a good question because I was going to get to it later in a different context, but it's a good question because l'chayra, what's the problem with taking a true oath? The the problem is the medrash tanchuma that we just said, yeah, that people were that that you could only swear in God's name if you have the uh, the, the if you're on the level of Avram, Yosef, and Eif. So it seems to be, um, it seems to be that the problem is the, that you're, it's not appropriate for you to, to, you know, don't call me by my first name type of thing, right? But if you're swearing without God's name and you're telling the truth, why should that be a problem? So I don't really have a clear underst- uh, answer to that question, but what I, what I do know is, and this will become even more clear as we continue, that there doesn't seem to be a difference. In other words, all the sources seem to indicate that for the most part, uh, perhaps the assumption is that any type of oath is, even if you don't say so explicitly, and when you say an oath that you're so 100% certain on some, I'm not sure, I, I haven't figured out that part yet. Listen, because we don't know. In other words, we may have in mind that we know, but we don't know. Yeah, but we see... There's always things, there's, there's another perspective, there's, there's facts we don't understand. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good question, which I don't have a proper uh, thing, but le- I want to wait till later where we have some more data to discuss. But let me just read you the story from the Yerushalmi. Um, there the Yerushalmi says... Um, okay, basically the story goes like this. Uh, the, uh, I, there was a certain woman who came to help her friend bar- to... to had to go to braid the to braid the bread as I said to Barichas Lechem, and without her realizing, two coins fell into the bread. Two of her coins. So she was in her friend's house. Two of her coins mm-hmm. landed. So she came home and she couldn't find the money. She went back to her friend's house and says, "Do you have my two coins?" So she said, 
I swear that if I would know where your coins are, one of my children should die. Right. And one of her children died. And the woman didn't learn her lesson. And because what happened was people were whispering that her, it seems that she took it because one of her sons died. So she was very angry that people were accusing her. And in her anger, she said, I swear that if I took it, I should lose another son. Doesn't learn. She still didn't learn her lesson. Yeah, and another son died. And what's the end of the story? That they came back from the funeral to eat the bread, and lo and behold, the coins were in the bread. Right? So there, again, she was telling the truth. Shitaka didn't know where the coins were, but there was... um, there, w- there was uh, some dire repercussions. And like Yechanan pointed out, there doesn't seem to be any um, reference to the fact that she used God's name. Now, I can see on people's faces that this com- these stories don't sit well with them. They don't sit well with them. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I've said this many times before. There's a lot of t- times we see things in the Gemara which are very extreme. And we could... I've, ne- I've never done this, but we could perhaps go on a whole study of what the Gemara means when it says these things and doesn't mean it literally and did this story actually happen uh, literally the way the Gemara says it etc 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 but I see I and 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 you know and violence and killing people all these type of things which are many of them are uh, an enigma to the modern um, conscience one second um, now, so some of the things are, you know, we've, be, we, we've become, over the, so many thousands of years, society's values have changed. And, uh, I mean, uh, even, even something which is less extreme as, as, you know, animal sacrifices is hard for most people to relate to. Even if you're not, you might not be bothered by it so much, you definitely don't, most people nowadays definitely don't appreciate any um, amazing significance to it. You know, why is this so, right? But... I mean, but this is even much more extreme than that. But I think that for the context of our discussion today, it's not really important to analyze what exactly the Gemara means and why it says it in such extreme... Uh, you know, did it happen, did it not happen? What's important is the lesson that the Gemara is clearly trying to convey is the omni-importance of being careful of what we say, right? Um, nobody, If anybody would say today that this person suffered a specific tragedy because they swore such and such, they would be written off as crazy and cruel. But, so the Gemara says that we don't say those things, and that's a very interesting and important discussion to be had. But for the context of today's discussion, the point is that this is very important and this is very, should be taken very seriously. Yes? Two, uh, two points, one from the Navi and one from my personal experience. <coughs> From the Navi we have, who was Guido, he said the first thing that comes out of this store, it was his daughter, which will be sacrificed, and he killed his daughter. Oops. And then there are all kinds of things, and this goes back <coughs> to the Navi. And, and he, and the uh, all say, he was at fault because he could have had a, a, a the shrew taken away mm-hmm. by the uh, by the rabbana. There were there were options for him. He didn't have to follow through on that on that uh, uh, that oath that he regretted. And so there it goes back to the navi. And on my personal level, in the time when there was the, what was called the McCarthy era, 
and there's uh, all kinds of fear of uh, being accused of being a communist and so on. So they had any government employee had to sign a declaration wearing a loyalty oath, it was called. So I refused to, uh, sign, to, sign, to sign it Come. and uh, because I, I, was, I mean, it was a very harsh lotion. It was the word swear. So I was told to sign it anyway, and I said I won't. But they had to have, you know, bureaucracy, and you have to have it done. So they said, all right, do what they do in court, and use the word affirm. So it was crossed out on my my paper is the word swear, and they put the word affirm. It goes back to court appearances where I had to say, where I said affirm instead of swear. But when they swear you in, they say, do you swear or affirm? So, they, like they're covering all bases. So and then I said, I said, yes, was that off the hook? So, very good. So, do you swear or affirm? So, when you say yes, you had in mind that you were affirming and not swearing. Okay. Now, the thing is like this. I want to, because now that you've brought that up, there's another medrash. And there's another medrash that's actually quoted in Shulchan Aruch. The first medrash that we said was that in order to swear, you have to have all these, these to be like Abraham, Yosef, and Eve. There's another medrash that's brought in Shulchan Aruch. And that medrash says there's a story of Yanai HaMelech, who had. Some versions say a thousand, or he had two thousand cities on Haramelech, he had <coughs> a thousand or two thousand cities, and all of them were destroyed because of true oaths. What does this mean? People would say to each other, I promise you that I'm going to do this, I'm going to go here, I'm going to eat this. Uh, um, or I'm going to drink in such and such a place. And they would actually go and fulfill their vows. But yet, um, because there was shvus, uh, because they were using oaths unnecessarily, um, they were destroyed. These cities were destroyed. Now, this is brought in Shulchan Aruch, even in the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch. The Alter Rebbe says a person should be careful even from making a true oath. For Yamei Hamelach had a thousand cities; they were all true. Um, um, destroyed for Shvois MS because of true oaths. Um, the Ibn Ezra, the Ibn Ezra's commentary on Shmois, the Ibn Ezra wrote two commentaries on Chumash, the Pirish Aruch and the Pirish Akatzer. And on Sefer Shmois, in the second book, we actually have both of them. And the rest of the Torah, to the best of my knowledge, we only have the Pirish Akatzer, the, the short commentary. On Shmois, we have, a, the, we have both. So uh, there, he, on the Pasuk in Parshish Yisroi, in the Ten Commandments, not don't bear God's name in vain, he um, is elaborates a great length on uh, oaths, and he finishes off like, like this. I have elaborated on this because I see that the people in our, the Jewish people in our kingdom and the kingdom of, in the Arab kingdoms, the Edom and in, I guess, Europe, um, they swear in God's name all the time. And it's something which they don't even... 
they're so they're so accustomed to it, so, it's become a habit that they don't even notice it. And if somebody would tell them about it, <laughs> he says, if somebody would tell him that why you're swearing so much, he would say, I swear that I never swear. <laughs> right? <laughs> so he says, and he says this is even worse. He says a murderer um, could kill once or twice, or an adulterer will commit adultery a number of times. It happens a few times, but these people are doing it day and night the whole time, and it's impossible to even keep count because people are swearing so much. Which part? The adultery or the murdering? And he says, "Had listen to this. This is the Benazra. If the Jewish people only had this single bad trait that they would um, of swearing the whole time, this in and of itself is bad enough to um, postpone the Geula, the redemption." Um, and these people, you can't even make them do teshuva because uh, other people. Um, and so he says. Uh, he says another thing. He says other averus that people do. You could even understand why they're doing it. A person's so angry, he hates the guy. He kills him. A person is full of lust, so he go, does adultery. If a person is jealous and he steals, and they've at least accom- accomplished something. You know, they have this. 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 Uh, urge this lust and they fulfill their lust. But these people are just making a chil Hashem left and right for no reason. And the Torah says, Lo yanaka, the Hashem does not forgive these people. So again, we see this thing, and here we're talking about true oaths, and yet the Ibn Ezra is uh, quite um, strong in his opposition to them. Now, Subhameyla, <coughs> back to what Rabbi Ephraim said, yeah, I also had this when I uh, got became in the various stages when I became a permanent resident, I think, but for sure when I became a citizen of the United States, um, they, the, the, I had to raise my hand and say that, and I said, I affirm, right? Now, even though, I don't even remember what I said, but I think it was something to do with upholding the Constitution. <laughs> you right? meant it. You so meant what? You meant it. Right, no, so I didn't, I have... Well, I, what about the Kalvachoymer Madoch, Congress and the President? Don't <laughs> don't <laughs> right, but I, I don't have... President. I don't have oh. any... I, do, I don't, don't have, I never had, to the best of my knowledge, any um, intention to violate the Constitution. And I could have, it would have been perfectly true for me to make an oath that I was intended to uphold the, the, the Constitution. But yet I didn't, because if, when, if at all possible, again, all of these extreme things are not, the, the Ibn Ezra, for example, is not a halacha safer. Um, it's mentioned in Shulchan Aruch Yizahir, and Shulchan Aruch doesn't say it's forbidden to say a true oath. It said one should be as a hero, one should be careful about making true oaths um, unnecessarily. And the problem, the sto- what's the story with Yana HaMelech that the th- thousand cities were destroyed? Because then it was the, 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 the point, the Ibn Ezra and over there, the point is both that they were in a habit of doing it, right? So if a person, co- let's say a person were to come to court and whatever, you're becoming a te- let, let's say they would have insisted that you have to take an oath. Now, in such a case, I would tell you that it's permissible to take an oath. Let's say they, they weren't happy with the word affirm, they would insist that you take an oath. So then it would be permissible to, to take an oath, provided that you actually, that what you were saying was true. Right? You can't lie. But if what you're saying is true, then it would be, strictly speaking, permissible to take an oath, but it's recommended to avoid it, if at all possible. Now, if you want to be machmir, you could be machmir that you're not going to take an oath whatsoever, and even if you're going to lose your job for it, you're also not going to take an oath, and that would not necessarily be a misplaced chumrah. 
there is room for such a chumrah. There's actually a chuva that I have here from Reb Yitzchok, um, the Minchas Yitzchok, Reb Yitzchok Weiss, who was originally from Manchester, later became the rabbi of Jerusalem. And he had somebody asked him, um, I don't know the details, but he was going to have a jo- he was offered a job where he was going to have to, maybe it was something in the court, I don't know what it was, but he was offered a job where he would have to take oaths on a regular basis. And uh, the Minchas Yitzchak did advise him um, to refrain from taking the job. Um, now, I don't think it was strictly speaking forbidden for him to take the job. And also in that particular situation, it was going to become a habit. It wasn't something as a one-off. But if, Rabbi Fraim, you were a teacher, and the only way you could remain a teacher... I mean, you got away with the affirming, but let's say the only way for you to remain in the, your position of teaching was... I wouldn't have remained. I wouldn't have remained. So you would have been... Because you're very from. But if you... In you're certain ver- cases. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, I wouldn't say across for the board. People, mm. For people who are not as... People who are not as orthodox as Rabbi Ephraim, um, mm-hmm. they uh, it would have been permissible to take an oath if there was no other situation, uh, um, choice. Now, um, very, very religious. Uh-huh. Now, I just want to finish off with the Chesam Sefer, and then there'll be a few minutes for discussion and questions, hopefully. Um, the Chesam Sefer has a very interesting question, a very interesting thing. He says, he, it's in true, it's a response, so it seems that somebody asked him the question. And somebody asked him the question, he says, we know, that Chaz- we know, and Chazal say, that one should avoid at all costs making a shvuas emes, even if it means losing money. And where does this come from? What's the source for this in scripture? And the only example in the question, the, the person posing the question, the Chazam Sefer, the question, the example that he poses is the story of Yana Hamalach, where the thousand cities were destroyed. Now. Before we get to the Chassam Sefer's answer, the question is not really so so good. Because, first of all, the case of Yanai HaMelech, where it says that thousand cities were destroyed, why were they destroyed? They were destroyed because people were in the habit of making oaths. It doesn't, there's no reference in that story to... to... Um, to... Um, to avoiding taking an oath when it means you're going to lose money for it, right? I claim that somebody owes me a thousand dollars, and it's true. And for whatever the intricacies of the case are, the only way Bezin will allow me to, the only way the Bezin will give me the money is if I take an oath that he owes me the thousand dollars, right? So then there is a virtue, says apparently, according to this Chassam Sefer, there is a virtue for me to say, not an obligation, but a virtue for me to say, you know what? I don't want to swear. I'm just going to forgo my thousand dollars, right? Now. That virtue does not is not said in the story of Yana Hamelech. The story of Yana Hamelech is talking about people who are taking oaths unnecessarily. Here, this is clearly a necessity. There doesn't seem to be any clear place in anywhere in Chazal, in the Mishnah, in the Gemara, where it says explicitly that there is such a virtue. The only thing is like this. First of all, we have the other Medrash, where sorry, the other Medrash where it says which the Rambam brings that in order to swear in God's name one should have um, only do so if one is on the level of Avraham, Eov and Yosef that's one, and the other is that we find stories in the Gemara and in the Mishnah where people didn't want to um, 
uh, vow. So, for example, one of the first Mishnahs that children usually learn in school is the first Mishnah of the third parakel of Mitzia. Hamafkid, remember this? Hamafkid Eitzel Chaveiroi, and um, it was lost or stolen, and uh, so th- and then they found the Ganav. So the Ganav, who does the? G- so I gave my ox for you to to watch for a week, and then it was disappeared. So then, um, who and then later on the Ganav is found. So who does the Ganav have to pay to? And the Ganav, in certain cases, would have to pay double the amount, or even four or five times the amount. So who does he pay it to? So one of the cases in the Mishnah was, what if Rabbi Yochanan says, well, I don't want to swear, and I'm just going to pay from my own pocket to avoid swearing, right? So it doesn't explicitly say in the Mishnah that this is a virtue, but it does say this as a story that might happen. And there are other stories in the Gemara um, where we see that there were such stories that people didn't want to take a shvua, and therefore it would seem that there was such a minhag or such a virtue to avoid taking a shvua, even if it would mean um, losing money. Now, the Chazam Sofer says that even though we don't need scripture for this, because Chazal are good enough for us, but he says, of course, nothing that Chazal say cannot be found alluded to in the Pasuk, and he finds a very interesting Pasuk. There's a Pasuk in Kehelef, otherwise known as Ecclesiastes, I think. Um that enumerates a number of opposites. Tzadik, Rasha, Zeveach, Eneno Zeveach, somebody who brings Karbanus and somebody who doesn't bring Karbanus, Ketov, Kechote, somebody who is good or somebody who sins. And then one of the opposites, the seven opposites, and then one of them, the last one is, Kenishpa Kasher Hashvua Yore, somebody who swears versus somebody who is um, apprehensive or yeah, apprehensive to swear. And he says, at face value, it doesn't seem to make any sense. First of all, he says, <laughs> it should say somebody who swears or somebody who doesn't swear. Like it says before, somebody who brings a carbon, somebody who doesn't bring a carbon. So somebody who swears and somebody who doesn't swear. Or it should say somebody who swears truthfully or somebody who doesn't swear, or who swears falsely. So he says that from this, um, from, from, and he asks another few uh, linguistical difficulties on these psukim, and he says that w- w- what Chazal understood this Pasuk to mean is Nishba means somebody who is okay to swear truthfully and Shvua Yare means somebody who is um, apprehensive about taking a Shvua even truthfully and he says that this is the scriptural source for this um, hesitance and avoiding to swear even truthfully now and he then goes on, and this this is feeds into your question that you asked before. And he then goes on to say, and the psukim, and he quotes the Ben Ezra, and he goes on to say that we see that it is a virtue to not refrain from swearing in God's name, even truthfully, and even if that mean, even if the refraining from doing so will make you lose money. Now again, and this is where I had the question also. So so okay, so if the problem is God's name, and again, the only source we have explicitly. We have, he's found us a pasuk, right? The only source we have explicitly are stories in the Gemara and the Mishnah, which again, stories don't, the stories don't say that it was a virtue. The stories are just a matter of fact, that there was a person who didn't want to do it. The only, the only reference that we have in Chazal that explicitly says it's a virtue to refrain from swearing, and even there it doesn't say explicitly when it means losing money, but the only place is where it says, don't swear in God's name unless you are like Avraham, Yosef, and Yosef, right? And again, the references to God's name. So where does the Chassam Sofer... Well, he doesn't. He also talks about God's name. So, what, so what's the problem? So if the whole problem is God's name, 
So then why don't you swear? Why don't you swear without God? If somebody comes to Besdin that and you have to swear that he owes you a thousand dollars, so swear without God's name. What kind of a shvua is this? You say a shvua that he owes me a thousand dollars. What's the problem? Then you have that Kinyanai problem. That's no, King Yana is not a problem because King, King Yana is only unnecessary. This is a nece- necessary shvur. I need but my money. The whole thing about a shvur, as far as I understood it before, this is that you want to put Hashem's name in it to be ma'amet your dvarim. Just like the Abishtah knows this to be the truth. If you say a shvur without Hashem's name, it's not a shvur. But the Rambam explicitly, no, but the Rambam explicitly says that a shvur without God's name is the same. It just lacks the punishment of Malchus. But the the this is not the same. No, he says explicitly that it's mechayev the same way, and the the Mabit says that's halacha l'meishem Yeah, well, he says it, but not everybody says it. Sorry to say, but you know. Who says otherwise? That's clear from what the issue is. I mean, we have to go and find out, is it this, is it that, will it come from here? So it, it seems like it's not the same thing as the Shvur. Okay, so, so I don't have clarity. Obviously, and the one of two things, either that a Shvur without God's name is not uh, is not as thing, but uh, no, that, that's clear in Shulchan Aruch and according to everyone, that if you swear even without God's name, you're obligated that if you lie, if you're lying, it's an avera, and if you and you and you, you if you if you're swearing that you're going to do something, you're obligated to do it even without God's name. That there's no one there's no one who argues with that, right? Well, perhaps it could be drabbanon. I don't know, but the, for sure that that's the halacha, right? So we shouldn't take any um, any uh, reference to be made to the in this. So one of the, either. Either that was the norm, that was the way of doing things, it was always insisted that it's God's name, or even if you don't with, do it with God's name, it's somehow tantamount to doing it with God's name. That element of it is not clear to me. Would you, but believe, a, would you believe an atheist? Who swears God's name? No, he swears, he says, I didn't do it. Well, I don't know, an atheist, I have another problem, because I, well, I don't know, a, a, true, athe- a true atheist, if, he, if I don't, do we know he's a true atheist doesn't think it's bad to lie, because there's no... There's no a true atheist no. who doesn't have any. That's not the case. There's no there's no intrinsic morals. And if for a true atheist, the morals are only as much as what's no, good for society, perhaps. Anyway, I just want to finish off with one thing, and that is that the biggest question or difficulty with Chassam Sofer is that he doesn't even mention at all the Machlokas, the Rambam, and the Ra- and the Ramban, and. Uh, he said, in this case, the Chassam Sofer is assuming that if I come to Bezdin and there's a claim against me for $1,000, and the only way for me to get out of this claim is my um, Shvua, then there is at least a virtue, not an obligation, but a virtue for me to forego on my money and, 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 thing, and, and not make the Shvua. And he doesn't even mention that according to the Rambam, not only is it not a virtue, but it is an Avera, and I'm obligated to make the Shvua. That is the Ramam means to swear even in God's name. Now again, we mentioned before that there are those who try to understand the Rambam as being less, <coughs> yeah, um, that perhaps the Rambam just means the, uh, primarily the mitzvah to, um, the, sorry, the prohibition against swearing in somebody else, in, with something else, or perhaps he means... Um, uh, that it's a mitzvah kiyumis, which uh, makes it less of an obligation. But either way, the Sefer Achinuch doesn't understand the Rambam that way, and it would seem somewhat, it is somewhat strange that some Sefer doesn't even mention um, the Rambam. Also, just um, on the same, just a side note on the same topic, there is a letter from the Rebbe, which is printed in Igris, where it's not clear what the question was, but it's clearly somebody was having a problem. 
um, I think it seems that somebody was having a problem, they weren't, weren't having children, and the Rebbe said three things, two, two or three things. Said, first of all, something which the Rebbe said many times, to make sure that there was never a... Um, uh, they never uh, offended somebody in somebody else in the shidduch process, in the previous shidduch. And also the Rebbe says, and are they careful not to make oaths, even true oaths? Um, and of course, you shouldn't make an oath in somebody's name other than God, B'chayim Mishu. Um, but it's interesting that the Rebbe was, seems to be saying, I mean, I don't know what the question was, so there could have been some specific context, but the Rebbe seems to be saying, um, make sure you're avoiding true oath is um, part of uh, to bring the bracha of, um, of children. Um, of course, I just want to also point out, perhaps it's obvious, that there's another whole Shiloh, which is not we didn't discuss at all today, uh, the question of Nidrit Stocker, when a person, ple- which is really a pledge, uh, if a person pledges money to Stocker, which is a, um, which doesn't even need to be an oath, but that's a whole, it's a different subject with its own uh, sets of halachas. Questions? Yes. Okay, so you keep bringing up this, where Bastin asks you to make a shvur. I mean, by declining, I mean, doesn't Bastin have a certain power when they're, and why are they asking you to make a shvur if that's problematic? Right, and so... I mean, Bastin, if I had three Rabbanim asking me to make a shvur, and I made one, I, it would be their problem if I wasn't supposed to. It wouldn't be mine. Right, no, so but you have... So it's that, well, it, well there's two things. It, the reason the reason they would ask you to make the shvur is to verify the truth. So if you if you're telling the truth, then make the shvur. But if you're lying, if if if, if it's shvur sheker, so then that's that's your issue, right? A shvur sheker. So that that is precisely the point. Now the bears are not telling you um, that. In fact, the whole concept of holding a sefer Torah. Um, when a person makes a shvur, the shvur is no more or less valid by holding a sefer Torah. The shvur is nothing to do with the mouth. It's nothing to do with what he's holding in his hands, right? The whole idea of of holding a sefer Torah and the Ramam describes how, in some cases, the Bezdin would make it's a very, you know, you imagine you turn off the lights and make it all spooky. They tried to get the guy spooked up because to impress upon him the importance of. Of of uh, right. So holding a sefer Torah is a, a form of reverence, even. I mean, even on Yom Kippur or Shoshana, any time when we open our in Chodesh, yeah. So as a child, I used to sometimes think, you know, like it's sort of the, 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 the Hashem hears me better when our in Chodesh is open. It's nothing to do with the, with with Hashem hearing our prayers. It's more to do with us that when our in Chodesh is open, there's a certain reverence that is instilled. That's where um, he hears your prayers better. Yeah, but, but one second, hold on, one second. Well, the bezin here, the case. So what we, what we, what some sofa is saying, what we're saying is that when the bezin tell you, okay, Shalom, you have this claim, such and such. Make a sure. If you make a sure, we'll know you're telling the truth, and we'll execute the the, the psak based on this. You then have, according to some opinions, a, a virtue to say, no, I don't want to swear, and I prefer to forego my money rather rather than swearing. And if the Chassam Soifer was in your Bezdin, he would tell you that. He would say, look, you have a choice. Either you could swear, and if you're telling the truth, that's perfectly okay. But if you want to be extra pious... If there's a problem, why would Bezdin give you that choice? Because it's not... Because it's... Because it's... Right. It's okay to do it. It's uh, permissible. But there is a virtue not to do it. If there is a virtue not to do it, Bezdin should not even give you that choice. Why? It's a virtue not to do it. It's a virtue. A virtue is not an obligation. It's about exactly you are entitled to your money. 
If you owe, if somebody owes you a thousand dollars, you're entitled to that money. Okay. Second question for going uh, signing a legal document is that like we have.